FBC, you dropped the bomb saying that you think that Jimmy Butler won't be here next year. And I just want to know, is that still your thought? Not if they win this series. It's the future! Hey, man, I'm going to tell you right now, BC, if you would have told me uh, Saturday, this past Saturday, that, you know, that, that the Bulls would be up 2-0 on the Celtics, Heading after Tuesday night, I would have been like, yeah, right. You, you got to be joking with me. There's no way I'm putting my money on that. But we see with the number one seed, which doesn't seem like a number one seed to me when you look at Boston, but you look at the Bulls. Listen, you can go through the regular season and play you know, up and down, but it's, it's, you turn a new page when you get to the postseason. And it seems like this Bulls team, BC, has turned the page and now is in playing some inspired basketball. I mean, you know, when I was on uh... – on with you last week on Sportsman, you know, I had picked the uh, Celtics in five, um, you know, just simply because I had, you know, seen a lot of their basketball games this season. Obviously, I've seen a lot of the Bulls games. And, you know, the Bulls had just been, you know, completely, in, you know, inconsistent. They hadn't really been playing. They've been playing up and down basketball. They had some losing streaks in there, especially one at the end of the season. So, you know, I thought they was just kind of, you know, just kind of going through the motions a little bit. And, you know, and, and, and that's where, to me, that's where I felt like, you know, that, that's what I felt like they were doing the entire season. You know, whereas Boston, they had the best record in the East, you know, coming in number one seed. Um, you know, I thought really and truly this would be an easy series for them. Um, but, you know, for them to drop, for the Celtics to drop the first two games at home and the Bulls obviously and very clearly playing inspired basketball, you know, in the second, you know, in what people like to call the second season. Um, you know, I definitely like what I've seen from this team so far. You know, but at the same time, I have to keep everything in its proper context. And, you know, I really think that a lot of what we're seeing right now, particularly from Boston, is, you know, just the, you know, the tragic loss of Isaiah Thomas and his sister uh, that happened right before uh, game one. And, you know, he is the star of that team, obviously, but he's also the emotional leader of that team. And they're going to go as he goes. So, you know, for him to be going through this, um, you know, I would imagine, you know, I'm not around that team like that, but I would imagine, you know, it's it, it such the life out of that locker room. It's such the life out of that organization. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's just it's just a different vibe right now. And so the Bulls, I mean, they, they, they're, they're taking advantage of, of this particular opportunity. And, you know, and I never want to paint tragedy, you know, in terms of being, you know, opportunistic for another team. But just being, you know, realistically speaking, this is not the same Celtics team that we've seen all year, and this is obviously not the same Bulls team that we've seen all year. You know, I feel like they they know and they feel that they have an advantage, and 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 they've capitalized on it, and that's what we've seen in the first two games. BC, I you know first and foremost, prayers obviously go out to Isaiah Thomas and his family, but I, I kind of think that's a little bit of a cop out. Like I think the Bulls, I I really think the Bulls have have I don't want to say turned a corner. I think they just realized this is the second season. And we are veterans, and let's play like we can play. They've never had a problem beating either Boston or Cleveland in the past few years. It seems like when they decide to come and play against those types of teams, they do well. I'm not saying that this isn't hurting Isaiah Thomas, but I think also the Bulls are playing a whole lot better, and they're they're deserving of these wins. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm not making excuses or or anything like that. But you know, and. If I'm going to give credit to anybody for the Bulls going up 2-0, I'm going to give it to Rajon Rondo, point blank. You know, that this this guy has been running the show. Like, he's been getting everybody in position um, to score, to get easy baskets. Um, you know, he's been making plays for other people. He's been scoring on his own. And, you know, and 
and he's been putting a lot of pressure on that Celtics defense. But to the cop-out point, I'll say this. I was there when Derrick Rose tore his ACL, and I distinctly remember, you know, just the feel and the vibe that was in the building, that was in the locker room, that was in the hallway. You know, you, you could – it was like a cloud, man. Like, you could see it and you could feel it. And, you know, obviously, you know, a torn ACL is certainly nothing even comparable to, you know, losing your sister, you know, in a tragic accident. But just, you know, just kind of keeping all that in context, those kind of things are, you know, emotionally draining. You know, this is this is sports, you know, and, and JP, I know you can speak to this. You know, energy is is passed around, you know what I'm saying? Like 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 when guys are on a high and everybody's feeling good. And that stuff is contagious. And then and then you go out there and, and, and you play that way on the football field or the basketball court. So, you know, I'm not like I said, I'm not I'm not trying to make excuses for the subjects, you know, that's the number one seed. They dropped the first two games at home, and and nobody saw that coming. But I definitely want to give a lot of credit to the Bulls for playing playing pretty good basketball and actually playing some entertaining basketball. You know, these first two games, man, those reminded me of, like, you know, the, the, the series in the 90s, you know what I'm saying, where everything was, you know, slow down, grind out, everything was physical. The first three, four minutes of the first quarter last night, I thought they, I, I thought a fight was going to break out. Like, this is kind of how – how physical it was, and, and and that's the kind of vibe that I got. But that's the kind of basketball I like too. Um, yeah, man, taking nothing away from the Bulls, I think I think they've been playing great basketball. Um, you know, this is this is Dwayne Wade's time of the year, and you know, and and we're seeing him kind of go out there and, and perform at that playoff level that we used to. Same thing with Jimmy Butler. So, I mean, I'm happy what I've seen from these guys, and uh, you know, if they can close this series out and move on to the next round, and you know, as a Chicago win and a Bulls fan, I'm with it. BC, there, there's so many different things I want to to touch on that you were just talking about because, yeah, I've been in that situation before. You know, after losing my father, I ended up coming back uh, for the Virginia Tech game when I was at Miami, and there was a different feeling because of my teammates being so close and the relationship that you have with your teammates and coming back. They have a feeling as well. You're one of their brothers, and so you try to go out and play well, but also you got this burden on your heart, and you're you're giving your all, but also you know you, you get no no you get burnt out real fast because there's so much emotion that you're putting into the game, and so I can only imagine what Isaiah Thomas is going through, and especially that locker room with Boston and what they're going through dealing with it with their brother. But then on the flip side, you talked about Rondo, a guy that was benched five games in December. He, he got locked up into that second group. He came out. He worked his way back to the starting lineup. And I think one of the biggest moments for me of covering this team was when all the stuff was going on back and forth through social media, when Rondo came out and, and stuck up for those younger guys because he was a vet to, to Jimmy and, and Wade. Those guys – they looked at him and saying, listen, this is a guy that we can follow. He started with that second group. He got the trust of those young guys. And to me, he's a guy that almost messed up and got a triple-double last night. And he is the reason why this team is moving. And make no mistake, D-Wade talked about it after game 82. He said, we are going to move if Rondo moves. And people thought we were crazy when we talked about it on sports feed, but that is what you start to see now with this bulls offense. He is the quarterback of this offense and getting guys involved into the game. And I think that's what has been such a big push in now being up two games to nothing against the Celtics. I mean, definitely, man. I mean, I've been, I've been 
a big Rondo guy for, you know, quite some time. And, you know, and we have this analytics era in basketball where, you know, guys basically get phased out because their games don't align with the numbers and the trends and things like that. But that ain't got nothing to do with basketball. You know, if if you can play, then you can play. And the point guard is the most important position on the court. Your point guard doesn't have to be able to shoot threes. I mean, it's nice, and, you know, and, and, and if he can, that's cool. But the point guard has to be able to run the plays, get guys in position, understand, you know, what you're trying to do on offense, but also understand what the other team is trying to do on offense so, you know, so that they can react defensively. Dwayne Wade said it last night. You know, when he was in Miami and uh, Rondo was in Boston and they would play each, other, play, play each other in the playoffs, Rondo was the most disruptive because he knew all of the plays. You know, he knew who the first option was. He knew who the section, second option was. He knew who the third option was. And when you have that type of basketball mind, when you have a guy like Rondo who spends an inordinate amount of time watching film and, and studying the game, I think those little nuances kind of get lost, you know, with this numbers crowd who kind of breaks everything down to, you know, whatever it is they're breaking it down to these days that has nothing to do with the game. But, you know, those are the things that people don't pay attention to and they should. And that's one of the main reasons why I praise Rondo so much all season long. And, I'm, you know, I'm a firm believer that had he not been bent, you know, the Bulls would have a much higher seed than, you know, than what they have right now. And they're certainly not playing like an AC, and a lot of that has to do with Rondo. Does he have ego problems? Does he have attitude problems? Absolutely. But he's but he's talking about a guy who's a future coach. You know, I don't know if he's an NBA coach or whatever, but he is a future coach. Like you said, JP, you know, he embraced those young guys and you know, the NBA can be very unforgiving to, you know, first year players, second year players who still trying to learn the ropes of the league and, and, and this guy, he you know, he put a he put his arms around those guys. You know, it could have been very easy for them to lose confidence and check out. But Rondo made sure that that didn't happen. And when you really, you know, when you look at everything in its proper context, you know Jimmy Butler is a star. We know that, you know, Dwayne Wade is a Hall of Famer, you know, veteran, you know, uh, elder statesman, if you will. But Rajon Rondo is the leader of that team and the leader in that locker room. And, you know, I don't think that can be understated. And, you know, the success that they've had, you know, for the past six or seven weeks of the season, has been entirely attributed to him. So true. Talking with Brian Crawford here on Down and Distance, exclusively on WGMRadio.com. BC, we're talking about Isaiah Thomas. and It's defensively what they've been able to do on him. He is, you know, the catalyst of that that team for the for the Boston Celtics. And, and when he gets started, it, it's kind of like he's the engine. So you got to be able to stop him. And what the Bulls have been able to do of those screens over the top, and being able to roll and those big men coming off and altering his shot a little bit defensively, they've the Bulls have done a really really good job at being able to get him out of his rhythm. I mean, if you play paid pay attention to the Bulls at all this season, I mean they've been giving the opposing perimeter players hell all year. You know, I mean you might you know Isaiah Thomas can go off for thirty five forty points a night. We've seen him do that, and then he faces the Bulls and. He might get 22 to 25. And they do that to every single point guard and perimeter player that they've played against. Nobody has completely lit them up. Like, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody who just went to work on the Bulls guards, you know, on the perimeter. I can't, I can't think of one team. 
And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just common sports, whether it's basketball or football or anything. If you cut the head off, the body is going to die. So if you put pressure on the best player on the team and you get him out of his game, the rest of the, you know, the rest of those guys are going to fall too. They're going to get it right out of there. You know, what uh, Dwayne Wade said it, I think, after game one, when he said, you know, when he alluded to being in Miami and taking Derrick Rose out of his game, and that affected the rest of the Bulls and everything that they were able to do in that series. This is kind of how, how you have to do it. You find the best guy, and if you can shut him down and get him, you know, get him out of his rhythm, then the rest of you know the, the rest of the guys on his team are going to follow suit, and so that's what the Bulls have done, and and so far it's worked. Where did Lopez? I mean, how did last night? I saw him rebounding, and there were three guys surrounding him at one point. He looked like a beast. He looked like Shaq last night. What happened, and and why all of a sudden has this man's game taken a turn? Well, I think I think Robin Lopez is 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 in a you know is in a good position as a big man in this particular series because you know whether anybody wants to admit it or not, the Boston Bigs are soft. You know they can't, Awful. they don't. Awful. You know, they they're terrible. Like you know Al Horford is a max player, and he couldn't even you know he couldn't even abuse Miritich. You know that was one play where he had Jerry and Grant in the post. Yeah. And we passed it, you know, to A. Bradley, who was cutting to the basket. Like, why would you do that? I remember that. <laughs> you know, that's just dumb. And, you know, and they don't rebound the ball well. Um, and the Bulls are just, you know, really and truly, man, they just play Chicago basketball, man. Like, 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 and that's just, I know that sounds cliche, but that's the best way that I can put it. You know, those guys are going out there and they're hitting you in the face. You know, they're battling for every rebound. And it's not just, you know, Robin Lopez. It's all of those guys, Dwayne Wade, Jimmy Butler, Rajon Rondo. Everybody's in the mix when the shot goes up to try to get that ball and, and, and get it out in transition. And the Celtics have not figured out a way to stop that yet. And so I think Robin Lopez is, 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 is a benefactor of that because, you know, they really and truly don't have any bigs that can do anything with him, especially on the glass. Um, you know, Horford is guarding Miritich. And, you know, he's having his problems for whatever reason because Miritich can't do anything on defense. (laughs) He's having his his problems over there with him. And then, you know, you got Brad Stevens out here throwing um, Amir Johnson and uh, Kelly Olenek and I think it's uh, Tyler Zeller at Robin Lopez, and none of that is working. That's because all of those guys are soft. They're just too small. Yeah, they're too small and they're soft. And so, you know, this this is just about, you know, the Bulls so far, especially down low in the paint. And on the glass, just imposing that will on Boston. And you know, if the Celtics don't correct that, you know, this is this this series might be over pretty quickly. Well, that you know, I watched I, I watched those games, and I was thinking the same thing. That like, if the Bulls continue to do what they do, this this they don't go back to Boston. I mean, they are thoroughly beating this team up. And I, I say this even: let Isaiah Thomas have his 30, 35 points. Who else is who else is scoring at a clip that's going to keep them in the game? If you if you really let him have his 35. You can hit 40. Let me shut down, you know, Kelly Olympic. I mean, who are these guys? You, you, they have – seriously, I'm watching this game. Like, how are they the number one seed? Oh, Cleveland must not wanted to play the last month of the season or something. They, they rested their players. Because I, I don't see it with Boston. I don't see that second star. I don't see that third star that you need to be able to compete and win. No, they don't have that. Um, and, you know, like I said earlier, the you know the entire success that the Celtics have had this year is solely due to Isaiah Thomas. I mean, I think there's just no doubt and no question about that because we've seen 
with him being, you know, mentally and emotionally checked out, how this team has gone. You know, nobody else has stepped up. And you would think that your max player that you signed over the summer, Al Horford, would kind of, you know, take some of that slack off of IT and make it a little bit easier for him. And he hasn't been able to do that. Like, he's been a disappointment all year. Jay Crowder is not that kind of player. Um, you know, Avery Bradley is decent as a defender, but he's not an offensive threat. And so, I mean, the Bulls have basically figured out the formula. As long as we put pressure on Isaiah Thomas and we rebound the basketball the way that we're doing, we can actually win this series. Yeah. I mean, BC, you, offensive rating, 108.6 in the regular season. That's dropped to 102.7 in the two games against the Bulls. So defensively, this Bulls team is getting it done defensively. But, man, we know about the stars. We know what Jimmy's going to do on a night, man. He's going to give you 20 to 30 points, man. Could drop 40 if you need to. D-Wade, playoff D-Wade, 22 points in game two. Lopez with 18. But the reason why is there's another guy that's stepping up every single night. The first game it was Portis, and then Paul Zipser was in game two. He balled out with 16. So it's not only your stars playing well, you're also getting contributions from another guy stepping off off the bench as well, and that's added to the success of actually having two games to zero against the Celtics. Well, that's the thing that actually scares me um, because, you know, you never know who it's going to be. You know, obviously Porter stepped up and did his thing in game one. Meritage had a terrible game in game one, and he came back and balled out last night in game two. Zipser came out of nowhere. I don't really think you can depend on that, man, because, you know, I've you know I've watched these guys all season, and I know how inconsistent and up and down that they can be. And, you know, if you're relying – obviously you know what you're going to get from Rondo, Wade, and Butler, but if, if you're relying on one – you know, on some, you know, X factor every single night. I think that's you know I think that's dangerous. I think you know at some point that's going to catch up with you, and you know you have to have some sort of consistency. You have to be able to say you know what I can 100% rely on this guy no matter what's going on. And right now you only have three of those guys, and so it's it's it's, it's pretty much a crapshoot every night from the rest of them. And so I mean I think you know I think they they figured it out and they played well in the first two games. But they're going to need to continue to do that throughout the series if the Bulls are going to have a chance to win. But, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a winning formula. I think it's working well for them right now. And, you know, I hope they can keep it going. But, you know, from what I've seen from Meritage and, you know, all season long with him just being, you know, up and down and Porter being up and down and, and Zipser being up and down, that might come back to bite him at some point. But thankfully in the first two games it hasn't. Yeah, BC, there was something that you talked about on SportsFeed uh, last week, and I just want to know if you still feel that way, or have things changed because of these first two games of the playoffs? Uh, you, you dropped the bomb saying that you think that that Jimmy Butler won't be here next year. Is that still your thought? Not if they win this series. <laughs> I mean, you know, I I I was like I said, I I didn't think the Celtics had any chance of losing to the Bulls in this series from what I've seen from them all season. Um, but Jimmy is basically giving Gar, Foreman, and, you know, John Paxson a lot to think about in terms of what it is that they want to do moving forward. You know, I've always said that, you know, I thought building around Jimmy Butler after you got rid of Derrick Rose was the best thing that you could do. And, you know, I was never a big fan of that trade with Boston where you get that pick and then, you know, you might get a combination of Jay Crowder and uh, Jalen Brown. Those guys aren't stars. You know, know, Jalen Brown is still an unproven rookie. I don't know how high his ceiling is going to be. 
but I don't I don't see him being as good as Jimmy Butler is right now. And I certainly don't see that from Jay Crowder. So I mean, you know, if you take that deal and you pretty much, you know, you you relegated yourself to rebuilding mode and, you know, that can be good and that can be bad. I know the common logic in the NBA right now is, you know, you don't want to make the playoffs, you want to get in the lottery, but that's a crapshoot too, especially if you follow college basketball, you understand that after the first three or four picks, you pretty much rolling the dice. And, you know, the Bulls have some, you know, establishment there. You know, Rondo has said he wants to stay. Jimmy has said he wants to stay. Dwayne Wade came back home to play here. Why would you disrupt that? You know, I know that that lottery pick is very attractive. Why would you break up that core group of guys? Why why not bring in some, you know, some young guys and some younger veteran type of guys that you can get to try to make the roster stronger? Um, so, I mean, if the Bulls win this series, I don't see any of those guys going anywhere. Um, you know, if they lose it, it's anybody's guess what the front office will do. But right now, they're making a great case to stay around here for a little while. So, you, I mean, you, you really think the Bulls would actually sink some money into this and build around that core of players? Because, listen, I, I love Dwayne Wade. Four years ago, five years ago, I, I, I love Rondo. He threw the towel. He threw a towel in the face of the assistant coach. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. Listen, I, I. I really, really, really like Rondo, and I hope he stays. I really do. I'm saying that now. But did anyone really think he wasn't going to have a meltdown at some point this season? So, in that sense, is this the team? Are these the guys that you really want to build around? I mean, Scotty Pippen refused to go back into a game once. You know what I'm saying? Like touche, touche. <laughs> and we know how Rondo is. You know he's. He's hot-headed. He's very emotional. He's going to cuss you out. You know, you don't care who you are. That's just that's just how he is. You can take the good with the bad. But I don't know, you know, I think you can, you know, the Bulls have a lot of holes that they're able to plug. But, you know, at the end of the day, the NBA, you know, you got to have experienced veterans. You got to have some, you know, some young athletic guys who can go out there and get it done. But no team wins a championship without, you know, without having some guys who've been around the block a few times. And, you know, Dwayne Wade is a Hall of Famer with multiple finals appearances and championship rings. Rajon Rondo, multiple finals appearances, one championship ring. I think that's invaluable, you know, for a lot of guys because these guys know a lot about the NBA. They know a lot about basketball, and they can impart a lot of knowledge on whoever it is that they bring in. And, you know, they got, you know, they got a little pull to where you got to listen to these guys. Even Jimmy Butler defers to them, you know, as you can see. You know, last year, you know, he was, you know, he was Hollywood Jimmy. Now he's, you know, he's back to being like the student almost, kind of following these guys' lead. So, you know, I think when you have that type of dynamic in place and you have guys who, Wade is definitely a Hall of Famer. And I think Rajon Rondo is a Hall of Famer. He might be a French guy, but I think he might actually get in. When you have that type of, you know, when you have that type of uh, personnel on your team, it doesn't make sense to get rid of it. You try to figure out how to, you know, how to add to it, not move it out. That's true, BC, man. Listen, bro, we appreciate you as always, man. Love that you jump on down the distance, man. You are the best when it comes to basketball. And uh, we'll definitely be talking with you soon. Down, down, down distance. distance. Down in distance.